It's Cofield and Company, live on the road. Yeah, big weekend of college basketball coming up. Big week of college basketball around Las Vegas. We got more Raiders news to get to later in the hour. We got UFC as well. But up first, let's get into the Mountain West Conference Tournament. And one of the best stories in the league is Boise State winning the regular season title. Uh, they've got one more game left. That's tomorrow. We'll get into that. But uh, the man who had the plan, the man who got it done, regular season title at Boise State, is Leon Rice. And Coach, we'll start off with a simple question. How did you get this done? Well, the interesting thing, you know, when you look at it, it's that ability to win those close games. And, you know, you look at the great years of teams and the and the good years and then the bad years, and usually they're just separated by those close games. And we had a group that was great down the stretch and could make clutch plays and tough plays and, and get stops when you needed them. And, and uh, so we were just fortunate in a lot of those games to come out on the, you know, the games that are kind of decided in the last two or three minutes, we, we just seem to come out on top of all those. It's crazy, isn't it? I was tracking, uh, I think, games that were 10 points or less you guys were 11 and 2 man that's got to be one of the best years you've ever had yeah and you know you've had some years where you know you're right in every game and you know uh you just don't wind up on the good side of it but you know i always tell like i always say that about coaching it's kind of our job to keep them close and then they it's their job to win it uh we can't make the shots for them as coaches and you know, so if we're if we're just trying to get it close for them, so they can have a chance at the end, and I was fortunate to have a great group that that could get it done in the end, and and you know we got some tough kids. Yeah, I would say I think it's important to have multiple guards and multiple point guards, or at least guys on the roster who are end of the shot clock guys, because you're going to get in that situation a lot. But your team's not exactly multiple point guard like in a traditional sense. Well, not, maybe you could say that not in a traditional sense, but when you look at it, it really is because we got a lot of guys that can handle it. Now, some of them happen to be 6'8", and so, you know, if that's what you're referring to is, no, those probably aren't traditional point guards, but we got Shaver out there. You know, Max was a point guard a lot in his life. Uh, Abu's got some point guard qualities. Um, you know, so there's a lot of guys that can handle it late in the game and, and go make a shot, and, that, and that's crucial. Leon Rice is with us, head coach of Boise State, regular season champ. His Mountain West Conference tournament starting up for the men on Wednesday. You can grab your tickets for the Thomas and Mac at UNLVTickets.com. I want you to talk about Key Jab and his career and, uh, you know, his ups and downs in terms of injuries, and he just got uh, past the 1,000-point mark. It's quite the story. Yeah, it really is because, you know, he – uh, you know, he's been through a lot in, in, in basketball and in his life, and he's just kind of persevered, kept moving. He's a great, great example of that, of, of how toughness and perseverance can prevail. And, um, you know, last year he got blew his shoulder out on senior night, and we ended up losing the game, and that was a game that maybe cost us a bid or, or certainly – helped cost us a bid because then we didn't have him for the conference tournament either and and you know he was kind of the heart and soul in, in a lot of ways and um but the crazy thing about this year is you know in life you don't get do-overs but he got a do-over for his uh, senior night and for his senior year and boy he made the most of it and you know he's been a, just the consummate leader uh, he's a vocal guy and he's a just a he's just a warrior there's not much more uh, I mean, that's probably the best way to describe it. He, he's he plays so darn hard, and and winning means everything to him. And, and you know, to have a guy like that is so valuable for a team. 
senior night down here at UNLV. It was pretty emotional, you know, all, all different types of players. You know, Bryce Hamilton with the program for a long time, a couple of guys who came in for a year, and Royce Ham and Mike Nuga, uh, one of the walk-ons as well. What was uh, senior night like for you guys? Well, you, you know, like I said, it was it was actually Abu was the only one that walked because we have six seniors, but all five of them can come back. And so, uh, <clears throat> you know, Abu's the only one that exhausted his eligibility, so we did it that way. And, uh, you know, we just we'll, – we'll figure all that other stuff out after the season. And, um, you know, the the since Abu had done it before, we, we knew that – we couldn't get too emotional. We'll say goodbye later. That's the way we kind of look at it. We didn't want it to be that, you know, those thoughts. We wanted it to be just about competing. And and there was a outright conference championship on the line. And we knew we had to play a great team in Nevada. I mean, they're, they're one of the most talented teams in the league, picked in the top three. And and it was uh, down to the wire game, man. It was, it, you know, we were fortunate to win that. And to get to cut down the nets for a guy like Abu and have, be the, have the celebration, it was pretty special. So you mentioned you have all these seniors who can come back. Uh, the experience across the league this year, I think, made the league in terms of the story. You agree with that, that there was so much experience? You got that right. And, you know, our we're one of the only ones that has a freshman that's playing a ton, you know. And, I mean, there's some that are playing like that, but he's been – you know, they're naming it the Tyson Dagenhart Award. He's got it so many times, Freshman of the Week. And uh, it's, uh, but it's exactly what you said because these teams are all old. And, you know, you got it, it, you know, I'm, I've talked to a lot of coaches about it. And I, I don't know, it just feels like it's the best it's been from top to bottom. You know, there may have been outliers of, you know, that San Diego State team a couple of years ago that was going to be a number one seed. And, you know, the year the NCAA tournament was canceled. Uh, you know, that was a really, really special team and, and an outlier. But from top to bottom, this might have been the best the league's been uh, because, you know, you look like you said, you look at all these games. I think you said we're 11 and 2 in these close games. Every It felt like every single one of them was close because even the ones you didn't mention were probably, you know, seven points or five points that you maybe made some free throws down the stretch because it was that kind of league with – you know, with great players on every team. I mean, you look out there and you're like, God, that guy's a great player. That guy, you know, up and down the rosters and, and 22, 23-year-olds. So I think that made for really, really good basketball teams. That's the uh, coach of Boise State right here on Cofield & Company, ESPN Las Vegas. we got the conference tournament coming up middle of the week next week. Thomas and Mac, UNLVtickets.com is where you get your tickets. The other thing I've noticed, um, and I don't like to, you know, do these things. We're a prisoner of the moment. But I feel like... This league, from a roughness and toughness standpoint, this may be the, the biggest and most physical the league has been. I mean, there are just brawls, and you guys are at the top of the heap. You have a big, strong team. Right, and it's definitely our most physical, our toughest team, and our most athletic team, probably, because, I mean, you look around what we have, it's like, you know, we're 6'8", 6'7", 6'8", 6'10", and they're all really really i mean you should see these guys in the weight room and then shaver you know he's six two but he's you know 40 inch vertical and super athletic and super tough and yeah it is and and you know i don't think we're completely an outlier in that in that aspect you, you're right you look around the team there's physical teams there's athletic teams there's great defensive teams and that's where probably the athleticism and the toughness shows up in the defensive and rebounding of all these all these guys and that, you know, that's why, you know, not skipping the, the mountain West tournament, but 
if you look ahead to the NCAA tournament, every one of us could do something pretty pretty special because of how good our all of these teams' defense is. Yeah, I think uh, the teams walk on the floor of the Mountain West Conference teams and the NCAAs, and they're not going to look like a smaller team. You're going to look like a Power 5 team. And you know, I'll ask you, is that – is that part of the plan moving forward that, you know, you get transfers out of the portal, they're power five guys, and just naturally they're bigger dudes? Well, you look back to my history at Gonzaga, we were always pretty big. Like, we'd walk out on the floor and we'd be as big as anyone we were playing. You know, we had 6'11", center, 6'10", athletic foreman, pretty big wings, and our guards were pretty good size usually, and um, except for maybe one or two years. And so, you know, we, we'd look you in the eye, and, and I think that's certain. You know, when you look back, though, the history of the Mountain West, I think the top teams have always been, you know, San Diego State's always been really, really athletic and long, and, you know, UNLV over the years with the Mike uh, or Dave Rice teams. And um, I almost said the wrong Rice. There's a lot of us out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, there, there's – you the – Historically speaking, I think the Mountain West has always kind of been one of the more athletic leagues uh, on the West Coast. And uh, but now I think there's a it's it's almost every roster is like that. Speaking of size, how did you get a guy uh, out of Spokane who is six eight two thirty? You mentioned your freshman Dagenhart. I mean that's that's quite a get. I mean I was the last game I'm sitting there uh, down on the floor at the Thomas and Mac, and I'm like he's pretty close to not maybe width wise, but size wise. To Armouche, like he's he's a big kid for you know a guy who can play the wing as a freshman. Yeah, no, he's just a terrific freshman. His maturity is uh, maybe unlike any freshman I've ever had. Like he he's like a senior out there, and and that's why he's having so much success because it's hard for freshmen in this league to uh, have this much success. And you know, I remember reading some stuff that Frank Burleson wrote about him after we had signed him that he's going to be freshman of the year and he's going to be, you know, one of the, you know, bordering and all league players, a freshman. And I was like, you know, that could be true, but we've got a really good team. It's going to be hard for him to get minutes. And, and, you know, he just worked his work. He just kept working and uh, we needed him and we needed his maturity and his ability to make guys better and all the smart things that he does out there. And, uh, you know, that's a big key to flipping our season was, inserting him in the starting lineup so for you guys this game on saturday a good thing in terms of the intensity you're going to play you know a real competitive game going into the tournament is that good yeah you know our guys embrace that it's you know it, it there was a lot of emotion involved in the cutting down the nets and the celebration the accumulation of a league but you know yeah it so it's probably took a little more time to close the book on that because you know we we've had some big wins and these guys have been able to close the book going to, you know, like for example, we had to, we won against San Diego state with one second go, made a couple free throws and it was a huge win for us. And, and then we had to turn around and play maybe one of the hottest teams, one of the best teams in the mountain West and UNLV on their court. And our guys, you know, it, it was, I was worried about that game because that takes a lot of emotion in, in both circumstances. And we were able to reach down and compete and, and they've they've shown me that every time. So, well, now we got to do it again, and we got to be able to close the book on all that emotion that was involved on Tuesday, and and be able to compete at our best on Saturday. Or you know, you don't have a chance against a really good team if you don't bring your A game. Yeah, you're facing CSU, and you're facing David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens. Is Roddy the toughest cover in the league matchup wise? Who's the player that you guys you know had the most difficult time with? 
Well, you know, that's the crazy thing about this league is you, you, it's out of the frying pan into the fire. You, you play one team and you go, oh, my gosh, that guy's the toughest cover. And then you turn around, the next team's got another guy like that. You know, you go play Bryce and, oh, my gosh, how are we going to stop Bryce? We thought we did a good job on him in the first game. He had 32. And, uh, you know, that that like you said, that's another key to this league is that there's just so many like really, really good players. There's there's 10 first team all league players at least this year. You know, if it was a somewhat quote unquote normal year, they'd all be all league players. But, you know, it's it really is. And that's not you know, that's probably selling it short, saying there's 10. There's probably about 12 to 15 guys that you can make a case for first team all league. And, you know, then there's then there's five or six or maybe even seven guys that you can make a case for player of the year in the league. And, and you know, when you throw Roddy and Stevens and guys like that, they're, they're, they're guys that you can make a strong case for those kind of things. Yeah, last night's game between San Diego State and Fresno State was amazing. Just an absolute brawl, double overtime. And then two guys who are candidates for player of the year in Orlando Robinson and Matt Bradley dueling. I mean, to me, that game right there is, I think, what's going to be the Mountain West Conference tournament in large part is just – you know, possession by possession. You may have games that are played in the 40s, and you, you just got to make plays. And I, I think more important than anything is what you do on defense. There are so many good defensive teams that can get stops in this league. Yeah, yeah maybe the best I've ever seen it defensively. And, when, and the numbers, you know, the numbers back that up for sure. Coach, we appreciate it. We'll see you down here. Uh, first, you have business in order to take care of Colorado State, and then we'll see you in Vegas. Yeah, it should be a great tournament. Looking forward to being down there. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live on the road. Back here on ESPN Las Vegas, we got UFC in town. They're in town all the time, but you got a pay-per-view coming up. We'll get into the card in a couple minutes, but lots of news around mixed martial arts to get into, and RJ Clifford covers it all for SiriusXM. We'll get into the Raiders a little later on. He does the Autumn Windbags podcast. All right, this Cain Velasquez story as it unfolds is uh, completely fascinating, tragic, horrific. Cain Velasquez in jail. Tell us what you know about the story and how this whole thing has developed from just what looked like a road rage shooting to Cain had some purpose behind this whole thing. Yeah, so it all kind of started Monday, late Monday night, kind of Tuesday morning. We heard that Cain Velasquez, former UFC champion, now currently pro wrestler, that dabbled in WWE, um, was arrested for attempted murder. And we're all in a shooting. We're just like, what? Because Cain Velasquez, despite being such a you know a brutally awesome heavyweight and a guy that like you know my first memory of him is just like bathing in Bigfoot Silva's blood as he's beating the tar out of him. Like he's known universally as a good guy. Like every everyone's teammates, colleagues, everyone's ever dealt with him says like he's a great guy. And so if I heard a story that, you know, ex UFC fighter involved in shooting, there's five hundred fighters I think would be that guy before it was Kane Velasquez. Which by the and by the way, I, is not that's not a good thing. That's yeah. not a good thing for MMA. No. But I get your point. No. You've been around a lot of fighters where you're like, Yeah, this guy or gal could have a screw loose. But he's but he's you know, like one of the good guys. And yeah. so this was this was you're like, wow, I hope there's got to be more of the story. And lo and behold, there was. Uh, allegedly, he had uh, a family member of his, that uh, a child that was molested, allegedly, by the guy that he shot at. And so the guy went to, uh, was arrested, was let out. He was actually, uh, according to reports, heading to get his like tracker bracelet when Kane 
um, drove him down with his car, followed him for 11 miles, shot at the car, missed the guy he was aiming at, and allegedly hit an older family member of the guy. There were three people in the car. Uh, King was arrested. Uh, his arraignment's coming up March 7th. Um, and just the more this, the more details we get of the story, I don't want to say the more it makes sense, but the more it kind of like it gets more and more tragic, but kind of you start to understand why someone like Kane would do something like that. As a group, MMA fans are kind of a strange lot. You don't exactly know oh, yeah. what they're going to back, what they're going to be against. In that community, what are the fans saying right now about Kane Velasquez? Universal support for Kane Velasquez. Um, from you'd expect that from teammates, people that he knows, um, people in the industry, but almost universal support. Not universal support for what he did. Um, like I, I learned two things just seeing like social media post after social media post. You know, it's semi trending hashtag free free Kane. And I, I learned two things. One, just how much he's universally respected um, by everyone in the industry. And two, how many parents there are. Because I think any, any even if you like, don't condone what he did whatsoever. Hey, like even the, even the worst criminals deserve a fair trial. He should not have taken um, the law into his own hands. Even if you feel that way, every single parent at least thought to themselves and said, well, I understand at least why he did what he did, even if I disagree with it. Yeah, I love the concept of vigilante justice. I'm a gigantic fan of Charles Bronson and Death Wish 1, 2, and whatever they did, 15 of them. Uh, but there is a legal end to this. And we talked to Justin Watkins, our legal insider from Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Sit tight here uh, as we'll have Ari fire this one. If it's true, as the story states now, that he is dissatisfied with the prosecution uh, of this offender uh, and he wanted to take justice into his own hands, that absolutely 100% is illegal. Any attempt on that person's life or threats to them is criminal. Clearly, the authorities think so. That's why they've charged him with attempted murder. Yeah, we're not attorneys. That's why I have a bunch of attorneys on retainer. Not really. Uh, but we lean on a lot of attorneys because, you know, we get crazy as sports talkers about, you know, what can be done? Is this legal? Um, it's it's not legal. I mean, you know, as, as much as you want to go and exact your own justice. And like you said, as a parent, uh, if it's a fellow family member, you want to go and get the guy. And the other problem is he got the wrong person. I'm a firm believer the worst offenders still deserve a fair trial. The worst criminals on planet Earth, you still deserve an attorney. Uh, a judge that's impartial and a jury of your peers. And then if you're terrible, you're sent to jail, you're sent to electric care, whatever, right? The worst criminals should get the worst punishments, but they still deserve a fair trial. Um, so again, I don't, I don't condone what Kane did. I fully understand, you know, I have a two year old. I fully understand what was going through Kane's mind. And obviously he knows more about it than, than I would assume you or I do. Um, maybe he knows that he, the evidence says that this guy's going to get scot free and he knows for sure that he did it again. This is all alleged. We don't, the court of law hasn't said that this guy, you know, did this horrific act. Um, so it's 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 just a it's just a terrible situation for all parties involved. I don't know what I would do if I found out that someone did something to my my little Francisca. So um, I'm not going to not can at all. And um, I think it's sad that it, it takes a tragedy like this for everyone to understand and come out and say how much they respect and like Cain Velasquez. Like he has to literally face an attempted murder charge. Before people, before us as fans can really understand how he's universally beloved. RJ Clifford's with us here on Cofield and Companies. We're talking about the arrest after a shooting involving former UFC champ, heavyweight champ, Kane Velasquez. Here's uh, one more comment by Justin Watkins, legal insider, as he talks about the notion that, well, if you feel like you're defending um, someone from a future crime, what about that case? 
a situation in which you are trying to protect a vulnerable person like a family member or a child from the attacks of another person is absolutely a situation in which you have a right to defend them. But that has to be in real time. Now, if the story comes out that this guy was heading back to the same location where he had committed these abuses or trying to go after one of his prior victims or going after a new victim and Kane witnessed it and fired because he was trying to protect somebody. Totally different analysis. Right. And obviously, as you pointed out, uh, that wasn't the case. This uh, the, the accused in this case was going actually to go get his bracelet or his uh, ankle to uh, be tracked in this whole deal. So we'll see what happens with Kane Velasquez in the future. But yeah, uh, tragic, horrific. I don't know. You know, there's plenty of words to describe this thing. It's, it's pretty bad. Um, big time. Over the top. Trying to think, come up with a vocabulary. Blockbuster. What about this main event at UFC? Uh, Colby Covington is, a, I find, is a really interesting fighter. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff he throws out there is blather, and it's for the promotion. The funny thing in this, it's a, uh, it's kind of MAGA against MAGA, but uh, Jorge Masvidal is really MAGA, and I think Colby Covington is kind of playing the character. Um, and then these guys. I mean, the bigger thing here is that these guys, I guess, were friends and gym mates at one point. So. Roommates. Roommates. Yeah. Okay, well, that's even bigger. Um, so yeah. what about this fight? Is this a, a blockbuster fight for MMA fans? Yeah, it's funny. You brought up MAGA versus MAGA. It's like, is Donald Trump going to have to get like a half jersey? You know, like <laughs> you see like the mom of two football players right at college. Like, what's he going to do? You know, poor poor Donald. He's totally, totally torn right now. Uh, yeah, so these guys are um, longtime training partners in American Top Team, one of the biggest super gyms in mixed martial arts. Um, they were roommates, close friends. Uh, to hear people that were there talking about, and my, my co-host on SiriusXM is Dean Thomas, who was a coach at American Top Team, knows these two intricately for the, over a decade and said that they were they were very tight. Um, Jorge Mazadal wanted to learn more wrestling, and Colby Covington is the All-American wrestler. And Colby kind of wanted the clout that Jorge had. Jorge's been around a long, you know, much longer, um, much more established when Colby went to ATT. And so there was kind of this you know, mutually beneficial arrangement that they had. And uh, as what always, it seems to always happen when there's a split in any gym. It involves one of two things, either a girl or money. In this case, it was money. And uh, and that's kind of what soured it. And now that's it's been, you know, as we know, Colby, if you if you don't know Colby, he's spits more vitriol than any other fighter. I mean, just there's nothing he won't say, no line he won't cross, not one person he won't go after. And so you give that guy an inch and he'll take a mile. In, uh, in, a, in a battle of words with Jorge Masvidal. Let's turn into that. This is the very – so much so that the UFC almost never puts on a non-title fight main event on a pay-per-view unless it's Connor. This is a non-title fight main event pay-per-view. Very, very rare for the UFC to do it, and it has to be based on a storyline like this with one of the top three draw in Jorge Masvidal. Colby Covington's not a top 15 pound-for-pound fighter in MMA? No. I mean, he's he's – his biggest, so he's only had he's only lost to two men in his entire career, and two of those losses were to Kamaru Usman, the welterweight champion, and he gave Usman the toughest fight that you can. And the by the way, Us- Usman, according to the UFC rankings, is number one pound for pound in the world. This guy's, I, I'm I'm kind of shocked. Yeah, so it's he's got so it's one of those situations like Chael Sonnen's greatest win was always his loss to Anderson Silva because he took him to the brink and beat him for four rounds and then lost. Right. Um, Colby Covington, it's not that, that exaggerated, but similar. Like he took Usman to the brink in their first fight. Um, They were all three judges had a two to two going into round five. Colby was winning round five until Usman broke his jaw. Usman 
won a little bit more handedly in their uh, in their second fight, but still very competitive. But outside of that, like Colby's beaten everybody, but he hasn't beaten a lot of the top guys at welterweight. He hasn't even faced Gilbert Burns, Wonder Boy, Bilal Muhammad. You know, all these you know top ten dudes just hasn't faced yet. So. Um, like he's got all the wins and his only true loss when he's this new version of Colby is Usman, but he just hasn't, hasn't stacked the bodies yet. Covington is minus 350. Easy yeah. fight to break down. Masvidal stays off his back. He has a chance to win the fight. If it's a wrestling match, he's dead meat. Yes and no. So uh, Jorge Masvidal has incredible takedown defense, but he gets caught so often when he's defending takedowns, only defending takedowns and not doing much. Like he's lost a lot of fights and a lot of rounds by just kind of fighting for underhooks with his back against the cage for two minutes, you know, for half of a round. He doesn't get taken down. He doesn't take damage, but he's losing positionally. And that's kind of always been Jorge's MO throughout his career and kind of why he's been basically a journeyman that found his stroke the last couple of years is because he's technically brilliant, but tactically not that bright. So he's out there just kind of doing what he wants to do. And guys can win rounds that way if you're just if you're just getting outworked, which is exactly what Colby Covington does. He throws a lot of strikes, throws a lot of takedowns at you. He's the more active guy. And if you're just focused on defending that, you're gonna lose rounds. You're not gonna get hurt. You're probably not getting knocked down. You may not even get might may not even get taken down. But he but he's got cardio for days and he'll just outwork guys, which is exactly what's been the Achilles heel for Masvidal. RJ Clifford's with us, Sirius XM, MMA expert. Uh, fight expert, former fighter, Raider expert, does the uh, Autumn Windbags podcast. All right, let's break down three more fights. We'll do it in in rapid fashion with stories yeah. around the story around the fight. Greg Hardy, the uh, uh, female abusing former NFL player, has been at MMA for a while here. He's had moderate success, and I thought the real interesting note that I saw yesterday was the fight to 265 pounds. That's the upper limit for heavyweight. Yeah. He said he was at 290, and he walks around at 310. Uh, any alarms go off here in terms of if he's going to be ready for the fight and is cutting that much weight week of the fight safe? I mean, bantamweights cut that kind of week, week of, right? There's guys that weigh 135, 145 pounds that will cut 15, 20 pounds a week of a fight. So a heavyweight, I mean, when you're a heavyweight, um, they have a joke. It's called, uh, you know, two poops in a spit. Like he can, he's not cutting weight like, like, like lightweights. You know what I'm saying? Like he can, he can, guys that size, they lose five pounds just sleeping at night. Through water weight and stuff like that, so yeah. I'm not overly worried about it. Um, is he good, Greg Hardy? Yeah, is he good? He is surprisingly not. Like I thought <laughs> for sure, a guy of that, like an All Pro NFL defensive end, is a next world class athlete, one percent athlete in any sport, unbelievable athlete on planet Earth. His best win, like I don't think he has a win over anybody still in the UFC. Like he's just he's just not good. Like which shocked me because. Heavyweight is such a weak weight class. Um, it's two win, two fight win streak. You're in the top ten. He's again like an incredible athlete. Clearly has punching power. His training partners rave about him. His coaches rave about him. He just can't put it together. Which I think is the greatest example of like you. You got to have a screw loose to be a good MMA fighter, and it has to be loose in just the right way. So it's one thing for. LeBron James to show off his amazing athleticism on the basketball court, but try doing that when someone's punching you in the face. And Greg Hardy hasn't been able to show that. He's seven and four, despite being the better athlete and probably the better coach, like more expensive coaching and training than any opponent he faces. RJ Clifford's with us. MMA expert, UFC 272 is in town. One other fight I wanted to cover there's a uh, late entry fight, late replacement fight. Uh, Makachev, who fought last week, who's a you know, future megastar. I guess was was 
in the mix to get a fight on four days notice. So what happened with this and now what's the fight? So Rafael Dos Anjos um, was supposed to fight Rafael Fiziev in the co-main event. And Fiziev is a big up-and-comer at 155. A guy that a lot of people are watching to be a, a potential contender. And he was getting the toughest fight of his career at Rafael Dos Anjos. He got COVID. So he's not fighting. And Rafael Dos Anjos and Islam Makachev were booked to fight a couple times in the past. And it just didn't happen due to injury, visa issues, all the reasons that fights fall through. And so Makachev just destroyed Bobby Green last week. And so it semi-made sense in some ways to put this fight back together because it had already fallen apart twice. However, Makachev has all but earned a title shot. Ten-fight win streak. Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje are going to fight for the lightweight title coming up in a few months. And he's clearly the number one contender. Nothing to gain, everything to lose in fighting RDA. And so they thought about putting that fight together. It didn't happen. Hinato Moicano, a Brazilian fighter, is going to come in on short notice and fight uh, RDA instead. Makachev probably smart not to be in this fight. Yeah, I mean, it, was a, it would have been a nice payday. Um, he is an unbelievable wrestler. He's, like a, he's, he's Khabib Nurmagomedov's friend, training partner, fights just like him nearly as dominant um you follow their two careers and he's basically on the exact same trajectory as rda at this point in rda's career and he's just destroying everybody um and he's a guy that has great wrestling and rda has struggled against really good wrestlers um the best wrestlers take him down two three four sometimes seven times in a fight so he had a very nice path to victory like i said he's he's got a title shot all locked up like he's the number one contender like why like why risk it and that was his move Always got to mention the uh, the biggest name in the sport. Um, I think the best fighter is John Jones, but there's problems getting John Jones in because of his own actions and uh, also negotiations. But uh, Conor McGregor, the uh, comeback, the healing of uh, the horrific injury. What do we get? Do we get McGregor Diaz three by the end of the year? Is it next year? Is that even the fight that they're going to target? So it's funny we were talking about Makachev um, because it sounds like Dana White is sort of setting the table and taking a temperature for giving Conor McGregor a, a lightweight title shot. Conor McGregor is 1-3 in three at 155 pounds on a two-fight losing streak uh, against Dustin Poirier, a three-fight losing streak at the weight class. But because he's the biggest draw on God's green earth, the UFC's like, hey, we want to get a, a belt around this guy's waist. So Dana White said in an interview with, uh, with John Morgan of the Underground, uh, that look, uh, Conor McGregor's coming back. Hey, maybe maybe the champion wants to fight Conor McGregor. Maybe that makes sense, right? Like, how can we say no to a champion who wants a Conor McGregor payday? And Islam Makachev, like, he's supposed to be the guy, but he said no to the RDA fight. So maybe we'll make that fight anyway after RDA fights Moicano. And so he's – Dana White does this. He takes the temperature of some of his uh, – I guess more questionable moves to see what's going to come out of it. <laughs> yeah. And he's laying the groundwork. He's, he's taking the temperature. Like, can I get away with giving Conor McGregor a title shot right now? RJ is going to stick with us. Got to get to the Raiders. He does the autumn win bags podcast on Wednesday. We heard, I guess a vote of confidence on Derek Carr from both the GM and the coach of the Raiders, Ziegler and McDaniels. We'll examine that and see if RJ is happy. It looks like Carr is going to be here. There's no trade. I guess that means there's an extension. We'll get RJ's reaction. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Now, back to Cofield & Company, live on the road. 
We roll on, RJ Clifford, nice enough to give us uh, more than a few minutes here on this Friday. He's in town for USC 272. He's a fight expert. He's a Raiders expert. He does the Autumn Windbags podcast. So we heard from Dave Ziegler and especially from Josh McDaniels that week one, Derek Carr is the quarterback. First of all, do you believe that? What's the alternative right now? I mean, even if, let's say even Ziegler and McDaniels had this big elaborate plan to package Derek Carr with a couple first rounders and go get... Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or whatever, right? Let's say that's even what they're doing. They're not going to say that. They're not going to like, hey, here's this here's this plan we're trying to do. We're trying exactly. to they like, keep it on the job for an hour. Or like they, the curtains are probably still John Gruden's color in that head coaching office. Like you can't <laughs> go out there and immediately alienate the franchise quarterback before like his 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 seat's even warm. Like he can't do that. So look, I I believe what he said. I believe that they are going to move forward with Derek Carr. I don't think Josh McDaniels would take this head coaching job and say, all right, I'm going to start from scratch. Like, I'm going to get a whole new quarterback, whole new coaching staff. Like, he took over a 10-win playoff caliber team. Like, you don't rip that apart. I don't think he would leave if he wanted to start from scratch somewhere. So I believe what he's saying, but also what do we expect him to say? Correct. He has to say it. Um, The other part of this, and this is where I would warn people, be careful – there is no extension in place. I don't know if they've talked about it. McDaniel said they really haven't talked about it. I don't believe that. But if you know if they weren't in ballpark range in the same ballpark in like two weeks, and Derek Carr wants forty five million dollars a year, and by the budget, Ziggler's like, oh, we can do about thirty five. Then all of a sudden you have a big gap, and then the plan changes. So um, I agree with you. Derek Carr is a good part of the plan, but it's not a guaranteed part of the plan. So this extension talk, it's uh, it's unique because we're seeing it get public. With a lot of other franchises, right? Right. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay and Russell Wilson in Seattle and this whole mess that's going on with the Cardinals. Like it's getting very public and very weird for a lot of people. But hearing both McDaniels and Derek Carr talk, like every time they're, they're asked about it, like we haven't even talked about football. We're just trying to know each other as people. We're just trying to – Derek Carr's like, I want to get our kids together. We got to do some backyard barbecues. Like I think both guys as, as lifelong football guys – Right. Like McDaniels was like the son of a football coach. Derek Carr was on NFL sidelines watching his brother when he was like a little kid. Like this has been around football forever. They understand how important a unity and teamwork and not souring a relationship is. So I would really truly feel like this I really feel like this negotiation is gonna go smoothly. I don't think it's gonna be some crazy impasse. I think both guys are like, let's just make sure that we make this work and that our relationship's good. Because it if anyone has a right to go nuts as a quarterback and demand a ton of money. It's Derek Carr with all he's been through, like not just last season, but the trash defenses he's had to be on and the what five different head coaches in eight seasons. Like he has every right to like set up, you know, have a fit, but he's like, Nope, we got to make sure that we have a team that's feeling good team unity. That's what's most important. Yeah. I've got cars back. I mean, I don't support paying him $45 million or $40 million, but if I were him, there's no way in hell I'm playing for 19 this year without an extension, um, sure. especially in a league that's so desperate for quarterbacks. So yeah, I would shoot for the sky with both the Raiders, and uh, if they don't want to do it, then you know, then I ask for a trade. But we'll see if we're there uh, Wednesday. Both Ziegler and McDaniel seem to indicate that they're going in the right direction. All right, they're at the combine, yep. scouting players, first round pick. What do they need to be targeting? Is it O line? Is it a cornerback? Is it D-line? Is it a stud wide receiver? Is it something else? Yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, like, like this, this is a solid team, right? We, like, our draft class last year, other than Leatherwood, was awesome. 
Um, we've got some studs that we're going to have to pay pretty soon. We've got some core young studs that are still on rookie deals, Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, et cetera. Um, franchise quarterback, things are looking good. Big, big issue at line. Um, it's going to really depend what they try to do with Alex Leatherwood, our, uh, our first-round pick from last season out of Alabama. Drafted him as a tackle, moved him to guard because he played so terribly. If he can develop into a good tackle, then we're sitting decent at O-line. Hopefully Denzel Good comes back. We can get him back at guard. So we're basically just short a guard. We're fine at left tackle, fine at center. We're basically just short a guard. Um, we should be okay there. We really need number one wide receiver. Obviously, we know what happened with Henry Ruggs. Um, Brian Edwards just really isn't developing. As great as a target as Darren Waller is at tight end, as great as Hunter Renfro is at the slot, you need a big X number one wide receiver. Um, the good thing is, there's some really good linemen late in this draft. Like, you could get a quality starter in second, third round at guard. You sh- we should be able to pull that off. So, um, we need depth at a lot of places. We need number one wide receiver. Um, we got to figure out what we're going to do with Alex Leatherwood, and that'll decide what we do at guard and tackle. Yeah, I disagree with you on Leatherwood. I think Leatherwood is a guard, and that's, that's what he is. He's going to be a guard, and they're going to have to look for a right tackle prospect, either uh, a veteran or they're going to have to draft. But I also agree with you on depth in the draft at tackle pick that tackle a little bit later on and then I guess the obvious would be wide receiver but I don't oh, I don't want to take a wide receiver at 22 if I'm the Raiders I'm almost in a position of take the best player available at one of two positions and it would be for me cornerback and yep. then defensive line but then there's another question if they're drafting for more defensive linemen are they playing a 3-4 are they completely going away from a 4-3 um, if you want someone inside, Jordan Davis from Georgia has been mocked in mock drafts to go to the Raiders, but he's also one of these dudes. I mean, he's a mountain of a man. He's six five and three sixty, but could easily be six five and four fifty. So, do you want the monster inside who may be a sixty percent of the time player, but super impact, but he also has to stay in shape. Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on um, what this new defensive coordinator wants to do, right? Like, there's a lot of talk about he's a 3-4 guy, but we've been running a 4-3. It's like, eh, we can work around that, right? But you're right. Like, we do need – even if we stayed at a 4-3, at a like, all our defensive linemen, our D-tackles were all in one-year contracts last season. Like, we're just, we, like they played well, but it was all just, like, rent-alignment type of situation. So, like, I, I'm with you in that it's, it's best guy available, but I would extend it to more positions. Um, I would extend it to guard – tackle corner and D tackle. I think any of those positions, best guy, best guy available is going to be needed. There's just so many free agent wide receivers out there that I got to imagine the Raiders can pick up one of them. There's like 10 guys that, you know, and not just like a $30 million Devonte Adams or a $20 million Allen Robinson, but like Juju Smith Schuster, we can get for like eight, right? There's, there's a headache that comes with it, but there's just a lot of talent out there, wide receiver that I think we should be able to pick up in free agency and save the draft for somebody else. RJ. Appreciate it. Have fun at the fights, and we'll talk to you soon. You got it. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Wrapping up an abbreviated Cofield and Company here on a Friday. We'll cut out for the 5 o'clock hour, and then the uh, William Hill radio show is coming up at 6 o'clock. So we got a gigantic weekend in Las Vegas to look forward to. Uh, first of all, NASCAR weekend. So we got races going on tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday with the big Pennzoil 400. Congrats to all the people who uh, won tickets this week, whether it was on Cofield and Company or out at 
various remotes. Uh, you can get your tickets at LVMS.com. Any information you want and highly advise going out. If you haven't been out for NASCAR weekend, it's an awesome event and they've built up the uh, event with stuff around the races. I mean, it, it's, it's incredible uh, with the number of displays and vendors and live music. It's completely awesome. UFC is coming up. You got UFC 272. Interesting card there. Uh, as someone earlier in the day, I was reading uh, Twitter from some of the MMA writers, and they're like, "It is the card of douchebags." There's there's a lot of a lot of fighters who are not exactly fan favorites. Uh, one being Greg Hardy fighting again. He's the guy who was kind of deposed, booted from the NFL for mistreatment of his girlfriend. And then uh, in the main event, you got guys who used to be roommates and uh, teammates at. Uh, ATT in South Florida in Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington. So that's a cool event going down. It's funny when we do this, when we talk about all that's going on in Vegas, it's nuts. It's like almost every weekend is like this. Now out of town, the Knights are playing the Ducks. That's a game that goes down at seven o'clock. And right now you got coverage already running on Fox Sports Las Vegas. So uh, tune in to uh, 1340 and 989 FM as Ryan, the hockey guy will lead Lead up to the game, pre, during the game, post game as well. Again, that's 1340 and 98.9 FM. And tomorrow is actually a really, really busy day along with UFC and NASCAR and women's basketball tournaments in town and men's basketball tournaments in town. Ari is going to be on the road. Go get lunch with Ari. Ari's going to be in Summerlin. He'll be at the Port of Subs in Summerlin. It's the Port of Subs right near uh, Town Center and Summerlin Parkway. He'll be out there from 11A to 1 o'clock, $6 special on medium subs. More chances to win tickets to the ACMs. That's going down on Monday, the American Country Music Awards. And then also a chance to win a six-foot sub. Uh, just be the first person to walk up to Ari at the remote. Say the magic words. Ari's going to tell you in the morning what the magic words are. Porta subs, 11A. That's on Saturday in Summerlin, Porta Subs, location right near Summerlin Parkway and Town Center. And then uh, tomorrow night, you'll hear me again running Rebel Basketball, be doing sidelines with John and Curtis as New Mexico is hosting your running Rebels as they try to close out the regular season with a victory. We'll see you all weekend long, all around town and on air here on ESPN Las Vegas.